Good morning, everyone. I invite you to open your Bibles to Psalm 32 this morning, Psalm 32, which is on page 462 of your Pew Bibles. Now, as we turn there, I want to begin to think about the theme of forgiveness. That's what Psalm 32 is about. You see, it's so hard to admit when we have done something wrong. It's our natural reaction to try to cover over our misdeeds. Several years ago, my young niece was visiting and we asked her to play gently with the cat or else she might get scratched. About half an hour later, she came out to all of the adults with an unmistakable cat scratch down the side of her face. And she looked at all of us unprompted and said, I I wasn't playing with the cat. (laughs) Guilt was literally all over her face. But she tried to cover over her guilt with this simple alibi that I wasn't even touching the cat. To cover over our sin, to hide our guilt. It's a natural reaction. When Adam and Eve sinned against the Lord, what did they do? We read in Genesis 3, they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God. They felt their guilt and shame before the Lord. And so they covered themselves up and they hid from the Lord. And who among us, when we have done something wrong, has not tried to hide it? You sneak that cookie off of the plate and then you rearrange the pile to make sure that the empty spot isn't seen. You waste an afternoon on the internet and then you erase your search history so that no one can see what you've been up to. Once when I was younger, my sister was in school and I was still at home, I wandered into her room and I found her Barbie dream house meticulously set up. So as a five-year-old boy, I did the only natural thing. I destroyed it. No plastic chair was left unturned. Barbie and Ken didn't know what hit them. And I knew I was going to be in trouble. So I went. I found the cat. I put her in the room. And I shut the door behind her. Poor Domino's took the fall for me. No matter how hard we try to cover over our guilt, though, our guilt will find us out. Unresolved guilt will eat away at our conscience until we are an emotional wreck. Our psalm for this morning is about the power of guilt and yet the even greater power of God's forgiveness. For Psalm 32 teaches us that those who honestly confess their sin to the Lord with faith in the Lord Jesus Christ will receive the blessing of forgiveness. So hear now the word of the Lord, Psalm 32. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whom spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away, through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. I acknowledge my sin to you, 
And I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters, they shall not reach him. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curved with a bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. This is God's holy word for us, His people. Let us pray. Blessed you are, O Lord, our great God, for you have given to us in your word the testimonies of the prophets, the statutes of your law. You have given to us the gospel of Jesus Christ, the witness of the apostles. And so we pray to you, O glorious God, grant us the spirit of your glory and the brightness of your presence that we may read your word and understand it through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Now, when we come to Psalm 32 and we begin to think about this concept of guilt, it's important for us to realize that there are two ways that we often conceive of the idea of guilt. The first way that we think about guilt is this subjective feeling that we have. God created man with a conscience, and the conscience works as, as a witness to God's law in our heart. When we lie or steal or cheat, Instinctively, we know that we have done something wrong because our conscience witnesses against us and we feel guilty. However, guilt is not merely a subjective feeling. Guilt is also an objective state. That is, when we have done something wrong, we are objectively guilty of breaking God's law, whether we feel bad about it or not. And therefore, we are under His penalty for breaking His law. We feel guilty, but more than that, when we break God's law, we are guilty. And what verses 1 and 2 of our text they're telling us is that there is great blessing for the one who has his guilt forgiven. Now, in these verses, there are three words that use that are used to speak of the guilt of breaking God's law. If you look there in verses one and two, you'll see these words transgression, sin and iniquity. Now, transgression means rebellion. It's the stiff neck and the subversive ways that we undermine God's kingdom. Transgression is self-serving, self-glorifying ways of man. Sin in this psalm means turning from the path. 
going the wrong way. The Lord has instructed us in His Word how we should live. And when we turn from His ways to our ways, we turn to sin. And third, we see the word iniquity. And it refers to evil actions and disrespect for God. Iniquity is not just ways that we mess up. It is when we pursue wicked endeavors. And the use of these three forms of wrongdoing is meant to show us that nothing is left out of Psalm 32 when it speaks of sin. All sin and wickedness are being addressed here. But what we learn about each form of wrongdoing is that they are forgiven. Sin is covered. Iniquity is not counted against us. And oh, the joy and blessing of having your sins forgiven. To be freed from guilt. Not just the feeling of guilt, but the punishment of guilt. In Romans chapter 3, we see how the Lord has accomplished this forgiveness of sin through the work of Jesus Christ. In chapter 3 of Romans, we read, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all have iniquity. We all have transgression. We all have sin. But then it says, And are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Every single one of us are guilty, whether we feel it or not. We're guilty by our sin and we stand guilty before God. But by His grace, God justifies those who have faith in the work of Jesus Christ. To justify means to declare not guilty. It's what happens in a courtroom when the judge declares a verdict. You see at the end, of a a court case, the judge can either condemn or justify. To condemn means to be found guilty and to be sentenced to punishment. To be justified means to be found not guilty and released. Now, you could imagine it's wonderful to be justified when you are innocent. When you are accused of something that you didn't do and for the judge to find out the truth and to release you, that is something to rejoice in when the innocent are found to be not guilty. They are justified. Yet our rejoicing must be even greater and more zealous because we are guilty. We should have been condemned. We stole the cookie. We destroyed the dollhouse. We lied. We cheated. We hurt. We abused. We rebelled. Nevertheless, God justifies us. He says, not guilty because of His grace. He gives us the gift of forgiveness even though we don't deserve the gift of forgiveness. You see, we transgress. But as the text says, the transgression was pardoned. We sinned, but the sin was covered by the blood of Christ. We sought out iniquity, but that iniquity was not charged to our account, but was charged to the account of Jesus Christ so that He was found guilty on our behalf that we might be declared innocent. And if you would know the joy of forgiveness, You must begin at the cross of Jesus Christ. 
For it is through the blood of Jesus that all of our sins are forgiven and covered and not counted against us. And therefore, we must turn to Christ in faith. Do you feel guilt weighing down upon you? Do you read God's Word and know that you deserve to be punished for the ways that you have broken it? Then turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. For there will be great horror for those who must bear their guilt for all eternity. But blessed, blessed is the man whose sin is forgiven him. The author of this psalm is King David. You see that there at the heading of the psalm, that this is a psalm of David. And we know from God's word that David was guilty of great sin. For those of you who are not caught up on the gossip about King David, he committed adultery with the wife of one of his soldiers. And when she turned up pregnant, he needed to hide what he had done so he conspired to have her husband killed so that he could marry this woman and cover over what he had done. Yet as we read in the psalm, this hidden transgression was not hidden from the Lord. Verses 3 and 4, we see what it is like to remain under the condemnation of guilt. For David writes there, you can look down at verses 3 and 4, For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. Again, we see both this internal and external witness of David's guilt pressing down upon him. As he covered up his sin, he says that his bones wasted away through his groaning. His guilt was like this alarm clock that continually went off throughout the day. You are a murderer. You are an adulterer. You are a liar. He could press the snooze button and a few minutes would be silent. But then again, the same feelings and accusations would return to him. You are guilty. Have you felt this way before? You've done something so horrible that you just can't let anyone know about it. But it's ruining your life. The guilt is gnawing at your soul. It's saying to you, you are a hypocrite. You're a fraud. You come to church, you act like you're a Christian, but you're no Christian. We know what you have done. You don't deserve the good things in your life. It is a curse. Yet living with guilt is not A curse only because of this inner feeling of guilt, but also because of the external witness to your guilt. You might think that you're the only one who knows what you have done, but there is no hiding from the all-knowing and all-seeing eye of God. And the Word of God says that He is pressing down upon those who walk in guilt. In His grace, He is witnessing to us that there will be a reckoning for our sin. That there, that we will be pulled down into the grave. And then we will have to stand before the judgment seat of God of whom we are guilty before. 
David carried with him this guilt for many months until the prophet Nathan exposed his sin, brought it to the light. And David, seeing his guilt exposed, repented and confessed of his guilt to the Lord. We read in 2 Samuel 12, David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, The Lord also has put away your sin. You shall not die. You see, David deserved to die. He had done great evil. Yet when he confessed his sin before the Lord, the Word of God says that he was forgiven. As we read in verse 5 of our text, I acknowledge my sin to you. I did not cover over my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. How might we know the blessing of forgiveness? We must uncover our sin. We must expose our sin to the light. We must reveal it to the Lord. Our natural reaction is to hide. But how might you hide from God? So listen. Listen to that pain of guilt. Feel the hand of God's oppression against your guilt and then confess it. Acknowledge it. Go before the Lord in prayer and confess that you have sinned before Him trusting in the forgiveness offered to you in the Lord Jesus Christ. Trusting the promise of 1 John chapter 1. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. We have all sinned. We are all guilty. But if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Don't seek to cover over your sin, but rather openly confess it and trust in the forgiveness won for you through the blood of Jesus Christ. How then might we apply this blessing of forgiveness to our lives? How might we live with the joy of knowing that all of our sin is covered by the blood of Christ and all of our iniquity is not counted against us. Four points of application for you you see in your outline there. And the first point of application is prayer. Verses 6 through 7. Let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters they shall not reach him. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. You see, so often the first words of a forgiven soul are the words of prayer. And many of you here might remember when you confessed for the first time your sin before the Lord and knew the blessedness of forgiveness for the first time. But maybe you have never known the forgiveness of Christ. Now is the time. God's Word says, find Him when He is at hand. Now is the time for His Word of pardon in Christ is being offered even in this moment as we read Psalm 32. 
Now is the time to confess your sin before God and to know the forgiveness of the Lord Jesus Christ. For He will be a hiding place for you from the great waves of judgment that come against those who are guilty. And you will shout joyful songs of deliverance when you know that you have been forgiven through Christ. So call out to the Lord in prayer. Confess your sins. And He will truly forgive you. Second, if we would know the joy of forgiveness, we must submit to God's ways. Verses 8-9, through I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding which must be curbed with a bit or and bridle, or it will not stay near you. You see, if we are forgiven by the grace of God, that does not mean that we need not follow God's ways. Or as Paul poses the question, are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? If you would know the joy of forgiveness, you cannot continue to walk in your ways of guilt. Of course not. For how would you know the joy of being forgiven if you continue to pursue sin? To know the joy of forgiveness, we must repent and follow Christ. Now, this does not mean that we won't continue to struggle with sin. This doesn't mean that we will be perfect. Of course not. We will have to fight sin for the rest of our lives. However, true repentance is renouncing the way of sin and taking up the way of Christ. For what does your repentance mean if you just return to your sin? If you're like that mule who is so stubborn that he has to have a bit put in his mouth and pulled back to the way he should go. Don't be like that. If you would submit to the way of Christ, then you will know the joy of forgiveness. Third, trust in the forgiveness that has been given you in Christ. Verse 10 we read, Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. The joy of forgiveness is felt when we trust that God will keep His promises to us in His Word. Steadfast love is a translation of one Hebrew word that means love displayed through faithfulness to a promise. Love that is displayed through faithfulness to a promise. It's the love that you see expressed between a husband and wife in 50 years of marriage. A marriage that experiences both the better and the worse, but you continue to love each other because of the promises that have been made. And the Lord has made a promise to His people in His Word. That all of those who repent of their sin and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ will be forgiven. It is a promise that has been sealed with the blood of Christ. And it's a promise that our God will never break. So often we have a hard time trusting that we have been forgiven. 
We believe that something more has to be done than believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. We think that we have to make up for our sin, that we have to pay God back somehow. But if you would know the blessing of forgiveness, you must trust that God will love you through keeping His promise to you. The sorrows of those who know no forgiveness are many. But if you trust in the Lord's love for you in Christ, then you will experience the blessed state of pardon, freedom from your guilt. And finally, you must rejoice in your forgiveness. Now, it sounds a little strange for us to say that we have to rejoice. If you would know the blessedness of forgiveness, you need to rejoice in your forgiveness. Verse 11, we read, Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. You see, it sounds strange for us to be commanded to be joyful because for some reason we believe that God has no right to tell us how to feel. But God continually commands us to feel the right way about things. God tells us to love Him. His Word tells us that we are to hate sin. And here in verse 11 of our psalm, it says, Be glad. Be happy. Rejoice. Shout for joy. For we are to love our God and the forgiveness that He has given to us so much that we are joyful. And sometimes to feel the right way, we need to obey the command to feel the right way. You say, I I don't feel glad. Well, maybe you need to sing a little bit louder. You need to shout out your thanksgiveness to the Lord. You see, sometimes you need to sing of your joy before you can sing with joy. One of the things I love about Rivermont, even this morning as we sung together, is that we sing with joy and with heart. But there are still those among us who mumble through the songs. Men, this is going to start with you. If I had a congregation of men who sung with gusto and with great joy and feeling, we would have a congregation that obeyed verse 11 of Psalm 32. We need to be a people who sing loud and proud. For if you truly believe the Gospel... If you truly believe that you have been forgiven of your sin and freed from eternal condemnation and punishment and have entered into the joy of eternally and fully enjoying the blessedness of God, then you would be joyful. You would be glad and you would sing with great joy. Blessed, blessed is the man whose sin is forgiven. So act like it. Feel it in your heart. There is great joy in having your sin forgiven. When I was in seminary, a little confession here, I lied on a Greek quiz. You see, each week we had a quiz and at the bottom 
there was this question. Did you complete the assigned reading? And then the assigned chapters would be listed out. And you have to sign your name saying, yes, I had done. Well, one time I got to the end of the quiz and I realized that I had read the wrong chapters. And I panicked. What should I do? I don't want to lose these points. What should I do? Greek was not easy for me. I needed every point that I could get. So I signed my name, and I turned it in, and I got the points. Well, about a year later, I heard someone teaching about the need for confession. That we must not allow our sins to remain hidden. And man, the Holy Spirit brought that up. I hadn't thought about it for a year. And I knew that I needed to uncover my sin. Not because I thought that I would lose my salvation if I didn't confess it. Not because I believed I needed to earn forgiveness. But rather, I knew I needed to confess my sin because I had been saved by Christ. Because I had been 100% forgiven by His blood. I needed to uncover my sin because my sin had already been covered by the blood of Christ. And so I thought through all the possibilities. I knew that our school had a zero tolerance for cheating I knew that I deserved to at least get a zero on that grade and that zero would probably drop my overall letter grade. What if I had to retake Greek? I was coming to the end of my seminary. I thought I would have to delay graduating from seminary, delay getting a position as a pastor, a call as a pastor. I thought, my goodness, I have our second child on the way and I'm going to have to do Greek all over again. What if they kick me out of seminary? I was sick with worry and guilt. So I went to my professor. I told him what I had done. And he smiled and he said, I forgive you. Your sin has been covered. Go on and joy. Man, I floated home. I mean, it was wonderful. Because all of those worries and all of those cares and all of that condemnation that I was piling on myself, my goodness, they weren't going to kick me out of seminary for something that small. But in my mind, it was horrible. And I know that in your life, you have sinned. We all have. We've done little things. We've done big things. We feel the weight of those pulling us down. Go to the Lord. Confess your sin. Uncover your sin. Make it right as much as you can with those that you have sinned against. And know the blessing of forgiveness and the joy that has been given to you through Christ. What is weighing you down today? What is weighing on your conscience? Don't hold it in any longer. Don't go one more minute under that guilt, but openly confess that sin. And know the blessedness of forgiveness in Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us go to the Lord in prayer.
Father God, we come to You now in this time and we pray, O Lord, that You would give to us the joy of our forgiveness through Jesus Christ, that we would walk in it all the days of our life. We pray it in Christ's holy name. Amen.